Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and little heeded them, for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe, for good, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset, and knowing that such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes in grins, as have the malady in less attractive forms. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards, And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Welcome to Two Girls and a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and oh, look at that, I'm still drinking. I'm Anne, and I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. 2022, that is. Ha <laughs> ha. So to kick us off, let's have some New Year's cheers and jeers. What are you cheersing to, Drea? Uh, to the end of 2021. It was weird. I'm ready. Let's, let's lock. Lock that up. Move right on. And my jeers is dry January. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that that is also your jeers. And I just feel like it's an unnecessary sacrifice. Yeah, spoiler alert. We are not dry January. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe like dry ass, bone ass, dry wine or like a dry martini. That's the type be of fine. That's the type of dry January I'm into. Well, I am cheersing to New Year's resolutions. Um, you know me; I love any excuse to make plans, set goals, and imagine the future. Um, I start doing it around my birthday in October, and I just don't stop, girl. <laughs> ever, girl. <laughs> um, so I've already started thinking about my. 22 in 2022, which if you are a fan of Gretchen Rubin, you know all about that system of choosing um, things to do based on the number of the year and just setting goals left and right, imagining what this year will bring. Um, And my jeers is very similar to yours. Um, I am jeersing to the January pressure of dieting. It is absolute bullshit. This is not a resolution I can get behind. Um, diets don't work. It's a bunch of crap and we should all just like be happy with ourselves. There, I said it. Is this goal setting thing a cult? My goal setting or Gretchen Rubin? (laughs) Gretchen Rubin. She's an author technically, but maybe a little bit of a cult. Okay. I was just, I just wanted to check in, just do a little spot check, you know. You've got you've got very little to wor- worry about, but oh she boy. does live in New York City, so oh maybe you have a okay. little bit well, more than nothing to worry about. Now, like if she was going to start a cult, it would be here. Well, now one of my resolutions is to make sure that you don't join a cult. 
Thank you for keeping me safe. You're welcome. All right. Well, um, we are finishing off the last of our holiday three spirits episodes. And since we're now into January, this is a perfect time to talk about traditions and goals and resolutions and promises and all the great things that we're going to drink in 2022. Um, So to sort of start us off, we thought it would be fun to talk about some New Year's traditions from around the world. And and you have been the mastermind behind this. Um, And this was something I think we... You sent it out to a couple of friends last year when we were all just sort of, you know, shut-ins. And honestly, I had, like, the best New Year's last year. I like to watch the ball drop early. I'm on the West Coast. I watch that East Coast feed. By 9.05, I'm in bed. I've been day drinking all day. So it's just, like, a nice little slumber. So great. Then I get to wake up early the next day. I feel refreshed. I have some good breakfast. It's the best. And I felt like last year I was finally able to do that. And I was like, great. So let's just ha- let's just do it this way always. But apparently there are all sorts of traditions I am unaware of. So what have you got for us? Yeah. So I put together this list last year. Like you said, we were all stuck in quarantine and not doing anything. And like you, I am not a person who typically does anything for um, New Year's anyway. I am a person who likes to be in bed by 9 p.m. on Eastern time. So I do not watch the ball drop. Um, but after the shit show that was 2020, I really felt like I needed to ring in the new year with some luck. So I collected this list of New Year's traditions from around the world and then tried to do as many of them as I possibly could to kick off the new year with uh, a good foot. So to start us off, we have the Southern United States tradition of eating Hoppin' John. The fuck is Hoppin' John? So as a vegan, I don't know that I am the best person to ask about this, but Hoppin' John is basically a peas and rice dish that is served in the southern United States. Um, It's made with cow peas or black-eyed peas and rice, chopped onion, and sliced bacon. Um, You can also use like ham hock or sausage. Um, But as a vegan, um, I typically just make sort of a beans and rice, uh, beans and rice dish. And it's pretty delicious and good comfort food to start off the new year. Beans and rice, huh? And reclaiming the southern United States for Mexicans everywhere. (laughs) I I like this resolution. This sounds great to me. Uh, so I will cover Spain. This was my favorite one from last year because I was basically, you know, crying in my champagne coop about how much I missed it. Uh, but it's also super easy and sticks with our theme here at Two Girls and a Grape. So the tradition is you eat 12 grapes at the stroke of midnight. Um, that cover one for each month of the year to bring you luck and prosperity. And, you know, I'm sure it has something to do with like the land and fertility of the land and growth and promises and all of that good stuff. Um, but I just like it. It's fun. <laughs> Well, in my research last year, I actually found that a lot of places have a tradition of eating or celebrating with something round um, for sort of that sign of completion, like you're completing a year. So I wonder if that also has something to do with it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, And you have another food tradition 
that you like a lot from Japan, right? Well, not just a food tradition. The Japanese go all out for New Year's. There were so many different traditions that I found、um, that are used in Japan, and it honestly it sounds like the best. Like one of my bucket list items is now to spend New Year's in Japan and get to do all of these things、um, in the country. So. Um, the first tradition in Japan is to eat soba noodles,、um, which are delicious any time of the year. So,、mm-hmm. great tradition.、Um, and then they also have a celebration called Oshogatsu. And basically, what they do is they clean the entire house the day before、um, so that you're bringing in new energy、um, to the new year. You repay any of your debts. Um, and then they also do some wonderful celebrations. So, for some reason, they listen to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I don't know why, but they do. Rando.、Cool. Um, it's, a, it's a time to read haiku, to send a letter. They ring a bell 108 times. Like, name a tradition. Japan is into it if it's New Year's. So, are these like regional though? I mean, is the bell ringing happening like in one part of Japan and. The Ninth Symphony is happening in another, or is is just. I I didn't find that. I only found just sort of like these were all of the different things that they do as part of sort of the Oshogatsu tradition. That's pretty rad. I mean, this sounds like a great party. Yeah. I love a clean house. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you've. This year, I feel like more people are traveling. You might have company over, and we all know that's like a shit show, right? Like, just the act of cleaning and reclaiming your space is always, I think, so nice. Speaking of travel, what have you got? Ah, so here's one from our friends in Colombia where the people will take an empty suitcase and run around the block to symbolize another year of travel and adventure. And, girl, I mean, you've seen the block that I live on. It is at the bottom of a steep ass hill. I may just do this shit because I. I expect d- you to be out there huffing and puffing. <laughs> oh, you know she's going to be huffing and puffing because guess what? Dieting wasn't one of my goals in 2021 either. So, <laughs> but、um, I really love this one. I love that it gets you out and about. I mean, let's be real in California, you have to worry about gunshots ricocheting off some idiots. You know, property and coming down and murdering you. But、um, yeah, I, I think this is one I may adopt this year. So, my next tradition is from the land of Scotland, where they celebrate Hogmanay.、Um, and one of the legends or traditions is at midnight to have a dark haired man cross your threshold.、Um, this is called <laughs> first footing.、Um, and the idea is that if a dark haired man crosses your threshold, he will bring good luck. And ideally, he should be carrying gifts. As far as I'm concerned, anyone crossing your threshold should be carrying gifts, but specifically coal, salt, shortbread, andor whiskey. All use.、Um, this is also where the tradition of seeing old Lang Syne comes from. So,、um, just so our listeners know, Scott, your love of your life, does not have hair on his head. And yours has white hair. Yeah. Exactly. So we're both out of luck here. Are, are we though? I see, I sense an opportunity. <laughs> All right, well, let's see who shows up at my door with some salt and shortbread. <laughs> Definitely some whiskey. 
the next one also comes uh, from South America. So this is from Ecuador. And I just want to share this one because I think it's fucking hilarious. So in Ecuador, they burn a scarecrow. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get rid of that bad juju. That represents the past year. And honestly, if I didn't think my neighbors would call, like, the cops and the fire department on me, I would totally do this. I just love it. Like, yeah, no, let's set this on fire. Get rid of that bad energy. Yep. I mean, this would have been perfect for 2020, honestly. Just like, yep, well, here we go. Although I feel like then you're gonna need a whole cornfield full of scarecrows, but... Yeah. So this tradition comes from many different countries. And when I was researching this list last year, um, a lot of countries kind of had different um, traditions around this. But really think about the underwear that you wear into the new year, because in many places, the color of your underwear signifies something about the year that you'll have. So You wear red underwear for love, yellow underwear for luck, green underwear for money. So uh, just think about what you're looking for and get the right chonies to match. I I think we need to rewrite this tradition where it's like the utility of your underwear and what it symbolizes for the new year. So like a thong versus some granny panties. Um, lace versus cotton, crotchless versus edible. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we could get more specific than the colors, to be quite honest. You know, colors have a long-standing tradition in luck and things like that. So, uh, I don't know that, that, uh, edible panties are really going to take the place of this. I mean, what if, what if you go commando? I'm just saying, this doesn't seem very inclusive. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, let's our final one. Let's do a tradition um, that is also very popular all around the world. And that is the kiss at the stroke of midnight. So kiss, kiss to our listeners. I mean, we're still in a pandemic, so I won't tell you to go make out with a stranger. I also won't tell you not to. Um, But yeah. Go celebrate New Year's and let us know what your traditions are. How will you be ringing in 2022? um, And what are some traditions that you keep alive year after year? Yeah, you can let us know on Instagram at two girls and a grape pod. That's T-W-O girls and a grape pod. You can also email us at two girls and a grape pod at gmail.com. So let us know about your traditions And we can't wait to hear from you. In honor of the new year and to close out our Three Spirits holiday extravaganza, we are slinging some champagne cocktails in this episode. We figured champagne would be a great way to return a little bit to the theme of this podcast. And um, probably you've got some lying around that you could use up with some of these uh, tasty creations. So I'll go ahead and kick us off if that's okay, Drea. Um, The cocktail that I have created, I am calling the Palm 75. Oh, the other thing is we made these cocktails up. So just keep that in mind. 
So the Palm 75 is kind of half of a gin fizz French 75, half of a mimosa. Um, And I was inspired just by, you know, again, thinking like people are going to have champagne lying around. I saw a mimosa on Instagram. It felt pretty basic. So I added some gin and made it fancier. Um, so this is a simple, easy, all day drinking drink that should make you feel a little bit fancier than a mimosa, but also healthy because it's still apple juice. Basically, um, you should be able to slug this down pretty easily. I mean, who doesn't like apple juice? Wait, you don't like apple juice? No, I said who doesn't like apple juice? Exactly. Apple juice is amazing. That's why I was so shocked with what you just said. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know who that person was. Yeah. So a little bit of history, Um, the French 75 is a cocktail that's made traditionally from champagne, lemon juice, and sugar. So basically it's lemonade and champagne, you guys. But it was created in 1915 at the New York Bar in Paris by barman Harry McElhone. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, and I don't care. Um, And according to the early drinkers, it was said to have such a kick to it that it felt like being shelled with the French 75 field gun, hence the name. Um, It was extremely popular throughout the 1920s, though there were other popular drinks like this before it was invented, especially the champagne cup, which was just champagne, lemon juice, sugar, and ice, which again sounds exactly the same except for the ice. And sometimes people added gin to this combination. So here we are um, drinking the drink that has been popular for over 100 years. Okay, hold up. Hold Um, on. Hold on. So you're telling me the French 75, a total, what I would call, like, girly drink, is named after a field gun? Yeah, it's named after a gun. Such a delicate drink. Such a violent history behind its name. My God. Also, like, what a bunch of pansies who had this and were like, ooh, Ooh. tastes like being shot with a machine gun. 2022 got, like, dark already. Shit, man. (laughs) So, as Drea has already alluded to, the flavor profile of this champagne cocktail is sweet. Um, There is sugar on the rim. Um, You can add in some cinnamon. It's... It's sweet and easy, which is exactly my style, what everyone has always said about me. Um, So basically, it is just apple cider, uh, prosecco or champagne or cava, whatever sparkling wine you prefer, gin to taste. Um, Like I said, the traditional typical French 75 would call for a simple syrup, but I don't think you need that. I think the apple cider is sweet enough um, as it is. And... If you want to be real fancy, you can rim the edge of your champagne flute with um, granulated sugar and ground cinnamon. And I even dropped in a cinnamon stick for extra flavor and pizzazz. Look at you. So fancy. So I know. does it go in a flute or a coupe? I went with a flute. I actually tried both okay. and once again preferred the flute. Ugh, fine. What are you drinking it out of? Uh, I put mine in a coupe because I'm a fucking lady. Um, should we take a sip? Sure. Let's take a sip. This is absolutely an and drink. Yeah, it really is. And hold on. Wait for it. You ready? I don't mind it. Why? Uh, so, you know, this would, I would actually serve this for like a New Year's Day brunch. 
It yeah. is. It's basically a mimosa. Yeah, with gin, and so it's it's easy. It's got good brunch friendly flavor profiles. Um, I also did not use the simple syrup or the sugar cube. I really kept mine to you know the three main ingredients, the cinnamon and the cinnamon. Um, if I did this again, I might add some some bitters to it just to change up the flavor profile a little bit. But um, no, it's an it's an easy drinker. It's relaxing. Uh, it would go amazingly with my signature stuffed French toast that I make. So, Ooh. yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. Also, as an as a child, I fucking loved apple juice, and look, here we are. <laughs> I will say, when I was playing around with this recipe, like I said, it's basically half a gin fizz, half a mimosa. So, like, your two faves, do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I played around a little bit with the proportions. So I think you should feel flexible. If you throw in some apple cider, some champagne and some gin, you've got the making of a, of a nice morning cocktail. Dre has already said she'll serve this with brunch. I could see having this with pancakes. Um, I think that would be really tasty. One of the snacks that I eat a lot and friends of the podcast who also work with me will know this. Um, I like to have a snack of cinnamon sugar toast and this would be a great, a great addition to that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice and light and refreshing. Um, I would say the, I think the ingredients that you put into this are going to be really important. Um, like for, so For example, when we did our gin episode, you know, we both talked about our favorite gins uh, and like some more citrus forward gin. I like a more herbal forward gin. I would actually err on something a little bit more neutral um, for like more juniper forward for this particular cocktail. And so like I, I think during the gin episode, I mentioned that, uh, you know, I tend to keep between like four and six different gins around for various purposes um and i use the most neutral one i have currently on my in my liquor cabinet which is the cut water gin um and it's it's not gonna overpower the rest of the ingredients do you know what i mean and it's still gonna give you that really um lush apple flavor and so that's the that's the second point is go with a high quality apple juice or cider. Um, nothing that's going to be, you know, overly powering, overpoweringly sweet. Nothing that's going to seem like water. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pour out something that you would give to like a four year old in this cocktail. In other words, like less juice box, more like artisanal apple juice from your farmer's market. That's what I would go with. Uh, and then for the for the sparkling, I actually picked up a bottle of Freshenet ice. Now we haven't talked about this on the podcast previously, but you know f- we did do our Freshenet episode that you can listen to and learn all about that whole telenovela, which I fucking love. Um, and for those of you who are fans of the show, you know that that is my everyday cava go to, like ride or die for life. Um, but a couple of years ago in Spain, Freshenet debuted a line called their ice line. And these are cavas that are specially made to go over ice. And the reason I purchased this one is because it tends to run a little bit sweeter. It's more along the extra dry demi sec 
flavor palette than their Brut Nevada, their Brut Nature. So um, it's a really great cocktail or cocktail mixing kava that you can use. I use it when I make like a super boozy gin and tonic. I've subbed the tonic out for the kava. Um, same premise with this here. And since you're shaking the ingredients, not the, not the sparkling though, you don't want to have fucking explosion in your kitchen. But since you're shaking the other ingredients first and then doing the flow, like it, it just works really well with the the other pieces of this cocktail i think okay so you already mentioned a situation of brunch and your famous french toast what else would you serve at that brunch if anything hmm i always like to do a savory with a sweet to, to offset a sweet i don't like mixing though like sweet stuff with eggs that freaks me out i do not know why um but i would do you know, for my carnivorous household, I would do a bacon or a sausage to kind of go with that. I also really like having stuff out for people while I'm cooking so that, you know, people can have a little snacky snacky. And so this would go really well with like a breakfast cheese board, I think. So if you have some kind of nice soft cheeses, maybe even a blue, think about cheeses that you would put on a dessert cheese course. Um, plate or board, you know, some fruit, some jam, um, some little mini croissants or some nice bread or like a cinnamon raisin bread. Even I mean, let's be honest, it's it's the start of 2022, we should all be carbo loading. And so you could put that out as a spread some nuts, maybe some dried fruits, uh, while you're making your breakfast. And then I really love a combination of like a sweet French toast. And I do my stuffed French toast. So I always use either brioche or croissant bread. And then um, I, while I'm grilling it, I make a, a, a stuffing, which consists of cream cheese, fruit, some jam, instead of, in lieu of powdered sugar, and it's divine. And I mean, this is like, Talk about anti-dieting for 2022. Like, the only way to do this is to fry this shit up in butter, too. So you're all welcome. Just be an indulgent bitch. Go for it. So, yeah, that's my situation with this cocktail. Just be an indulgent bitch. There you go. That's what, that's what brunch is all about. Yep. What do you What are you pairing with this, with your invention? So I think I mentioned, you know, I, I like a... Um, um, a sugar cinnamon French toast. I like a pancake. I think pancakes would be great with this. Mm. There's a part of me that is tempted to go all in on the cinnamon aspect. I'm just, I'm really enjoying that flavor. So I'm thinking of like a fruit salad. I'm thinking of anything to do, basically any opportunity to add more cinnamon to my plate. I'm into it with this drink. Um, for, for a savory option, um, I really feel like some roasted caramelized Brussels sprouts would be good. Mm. Um, one thing the vegans are really into is like coconut bacon. So like coconut bacon and roasted Brussels sprouts seems like a really nice side that would play well with this. You could again add some dried fruit to it, maybe some dried cranberries. Um, I think that would be really good. I was going to say golden raisins. Yeah, it is complete heresy, but I think there are some restaurants that do a really good um, vegan benny with, like, uh, tofu or avocado or tempeh. Um, and 
that that sort of hollandaise flavor I think would play really nicely with this. Plus, again, all the butter, all the fat, yeah, all the carbs, all the, carbs, all the things. So great, we're going to brunch. Um, yeah, and we're we are eating very well. And so, what's the soundtrack at your restaurant or in your kitchen? What you listen to? What's where are you kicking off twenty twenty two with? You know, this might not be right, so I reserve the right to change my answer. But what's coming to mind right now is Amy Winehouse. Oh, okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Possibly because this drink is so sweet and so, like, light and fruity that it's like, I need a soundtrack that's going to be a little bit more badass. Okay, so we're going with an opposite pairing. Got it. Got it. I'm on board <laughs> with that. Okay, this makes more sense to me. Thank you. What about you? Uh, you know, anytime I serve things in a coop and it's I'm also making brunch, I very much love like a 1940s soundtrack. So that's kind of, you know, what I'm dialing in on Spotify. Um, just sort of that crooner, you know, rap pack style music. Um, I love that stuff. So I, that's, I think that's what I'm going to play. Nice. All right. Who is at your brunch with you? Who's hanging out, eating pancakes, mm. drinking this drink with you? I'm trying to think of like lightweights because this cocktail is meant for lightweights. <laughs> and I'm having a real hard time. <laughs> I would, I mean, you'd be mad at me, but I would invite uh. Taylor Swift to have this cocktail with me at brunch. Taylor pretends like she's a lightweight, but you know that bitch be. I know. I mean, she'll drink yours after this, but she'll start with mine. I was going to say Timothy Chalamet, but I feel like we just named him as well. I do do love him, though. I feel like he'd be really into this. (laughs) You know, I just saw um, a YouTube clip with Tan France. I'd invite the, the queer eye guys over to drink these oh they would also immediately be like bitch no but (laughs) they would be like bitch where's your closet (laughs) they'd be like let's correct everything about your life (laughs) maybe not them maybe not that you know who i think you should invite to a couple's brunch with this drink i'm i'm a little afraid of where this is going No, i feel like you're gonna like this you're gonna like this um ryan reynolds and blake lively Eh, all right. Really? You don't like it? Okay, fuck me. They're not, they're not my people. I mean, they're not like, I'm not like, I'd have brunch with them. I mean, I think they're funny though. Blake, Blake and Ryan, if you hear this, I'm not saying I don't want you to come to brunch. She hates you. I will absolutely serve you this cocktail and make you pancakes. Oh, okay, no. All right, I got it. I got it. I got it. You ready for this? Well, he's coming to my brunch, so I don't give a shit if you're ready for this. I feel like this is a Paul Rudd drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yep. Like, he's down for some French toast because the motherfucker's never going to look a day over 28, apparently. Uh, you know he likes apple juice. He's... F- hul- he's basically a five-year-old. Yeah, he's hilarious. And he's probably going to want to nap after two of these, which, honestly... Good. I love it. Perfectly I'm there. fine with it. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Yeah. If you're listening... We're going to make you brunch. Come to brunch. Um, While we're taking our naps, what are you reading? I think this cocktail 
calls for something that's light and easy and vaguely reminiscent of my childhood. Not that I was an alcoholic as like a six-year-old, but I always have had an affinity for apple juice. So I want to get down with like some Roald Dahl. Like give me Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Give me Fantastic Mr. Fox. Give me Matilda. Yeah. Like that's what I'm here for with this cocktail. Yeah. The, Matilda would be a great pairing. Right. All right, so once you you um, kick out Paul Rudd, because we know you're not going to let him sleep in, like, Hillary's spot, where, <laughs> what are you reading? Um, first of all, I think I'm being read, too. Like, I think I'm listening to some kind of audiobook. I think you're right on the money with Roald Dahl. That's right. I honestly sort of just want someone to read me, like, picture books from my childhood. Like, we had, um... We had a picture book of, like, the story of Swan Lake. I want that. I want, um, like, Paddington Bear. I just want to be read to. I don't care what you read. I just want to be read to. I do care. You can't read me something serious, but... I love that. Yeah, I, I just I love the plan. To. All right, are we ready for uh, Dealer's Choice number two? Round two? I think I think we are. Just everyone prepare yourselves. It's going to be a little different. <laughs> So next up, we have my cocktail, which I have decided to name The Little Luxury. And um, this this one is also a champagne-inspired cocktail, um, but I think the flavor profiles are really different. But they're, they're hanging out together. They're going to the same party. So, and I will be excited to hear what you think of this little guy. This cocktail combines a couple of really distinct flavor profiles that I absolutely love. So when I was thinking about what to make for this episode um, and how to really enhance some of the flavors that I like, I was like, okay, what what do I normally like to drink? What are ingredients I gravitate towards? And how can I make those work together? During that process, though, um, I actually did quite a bit of research and looked at a large number of champagne cocktails and really experimented to find a blend that worked for me and for my particular flavor pal uh, palette. And I used several recipes that went in to make this one. The root of my source material, though, is this book, and we'll have to post a photo of it on the Instagram. It is Mr. Boston deluxe official bartender's guide new world edition and um this book was gifted to me by my mom who found it in my parents garage a couple years ago but it's actually really rad so their copy um is from the 70s from when they got married like right around then but it was actually first published, like this guide as a bartender's guide was published in 1934. And so it has some amazing, like old style, legit cocktail recipes. It also has some totally fucking wild shit that you're like, oh, that made its way in here in like 1959. Like the fuck is this? But it's a super cool book. Um, and I find myself really turning to it quite a bit. Like I, I just opened this book up at random and got a recipe for a cocktail called the Rosita, which has tequila, vermouth, 
two different types of vermouth and campari like sign this bitch up i am here for this so um thank you mr boston whoever you are and whatever you do uh, for giving me some ideas for how to make this particular champagne cocktail my own here. And the other thing that inspired me about this cocktail was the 2022 that I hope to have. Different from the last couple years, um, I hope to reclaim a sense of adventure. I hope to continue to be the direct badass bitch that I am. And... Um, I hope to return to some classic flavors and places that I love. So I feel like 2022 holds that promise for me. And I wanted to capture that in this particular drink. Cheers to all of that. Right? See, I, di I did think this through a little bit other than just with my booze hound palette. I think this is so funny. But if you remember your American history, the prohibition, prohibition was repealed in 1933. So basically the first edition of this book was them just saying like, here's everything we were making. Yep. Now you can make it yourself. You know, I haven't thought about that, but you are absolutely right. Because there is some wild fucking shit in this book. It's great. And I feel like the next time you and I have a... A in the flesh meetup like this book is coming with us and I don't know some shit's gonna go down and it's gonna be great so what have we got in our glasses tonight so the flavor profile um of this one like I says is gonna be pretty different from the first one but they're they're hanging out at the same party for me many champagne cocktails tend to be overly sweet um, which I really think detracts from the nuances of the wine itself. And that blasphemy. Well, I mean, it's this is a wine podcast, but it's true, right? Like you want to be able to preserve or enhance the flavors of the wine. Um, this is like my big hang up with sangria. Like a lot of sangria is absolute garbage. Like it's trash because either it's a really bad wine or it's wine that they've like bastardized you've got i have no hang-ups with sangria oh, okay so you've really take some bad wine and make it better oh so you really have to think about then the ingredients the quality of the ingredient i know you don't care about this but it's important to be <laughs> so what could i do to enhance the nuances of sparkling wine of the features of sparkling wine that i enjoy um and what I decided to do was to make this cocktail with wine-based spirits to enhance those natural flavors of the wine um, and also create a champagne cocktail that's a little bit more spirit forward. Oh, you're so clever. I hadn't noticed that. You're welcome. You are welcome. All three of the major ingredients of this cocktail are wine-based. You have, of course, the sparkling wine, but you're also using three quarters of an ounce of brandy, which is typically made from wine, and three quarters of an ounce of vermouth, which is also made from wine. I did a real, like, Talk about goal setting. Talk about manifesting. I did a real fucking Spanish treatment on this cocktail. So I am using, as my sparkling wine, a balacava. I am using a Spanish vermouth. And I am using a Spanish brandy from Pedro Jimenez. So very, very classic style Spanish brandy out of this. So those are the major ingredients. And then bitters. Now with this particular cocktail, 
any brandy or any vermouth that you drink is going to be unique on depending on the producer. So like in Spain, almost every, especially like in the Catalan region, almost every little taverna makes their own vermouth. And how they do it and the flavor profiles that they choose to enhance is radically unique. Like I've done, you know, bar hopping for vermouth there and it's it's shocking how different they can be. Um, and a tip-off is always what they're garnishing it with. So the typical ones that you see are an orange wedge, a lemon wedge, uh, olive, a stuffed olive. So now we're getting into, is that olive stuffed with an anchovy? Is it stuffed with a garlic? That's going to give you a sense of, you know, if the flavor profiles are on the sweeter, more fruit-forward floral side or on the more herbaceous side. This particular vermouth is on the sweeter side, so it does have more of that herb, uh, excuse me, of that floral, deep red, um, jammy fruit background to it. And then uh, the brandy is a very classic brandy um, from Spain. Pedro Jimenez is a huge producer. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice, but it's for brandy, it's fairly neutral. It's got a nice finish. It's got a nice finesse. You have those notes of caramel and nuts and it's toasted nuts. It's, it's a really beautiful brandy. If you are someone though, like Anne, who enjoys, you know, a sweeter cocktail, there are a lot of great brandies that are kind of more fruit forward. I've seen apple brandies, pear brandies are delicious. They're very delicate, um, tend to be lighter in color. So think more golden, less caramel. Uh, and there are also some makers that do, uh, Torres in particular, that does a Valencia orange brandy that is really delightful. So, you know, there's lot, just like vermouth and just like wine, there's all sorts of different flavor palettes to explore in the brandy world. And Spain is where I learned to drink both of these additions to my champagne cocktail. And so vermouth is something that, you know, here in the U.S., we often think of as kind of something that's a rinse for a glass and a martini. It's not really something people sit down and drink. And there in Spain, it's really an art form. People go out for, you know, vermouth, like happy hours, basically. And there's such a variation in an artistry to how different places make their vermouth. Uh, brandy's the same. I mean, I I remember going on a, a wine tour, actually, and one of the places that we went to also made brandies and did a tasting. I was with my dad. We were both like, well, now our lives are ruined um, because it was so good and so delicious. And even now, whenever I go back to Spain, the first meal I have um, at one of my favorite restaurants in La Chambla, always ends with a glass of my favorite Spanish brandy. And here in my home, you know, we'll pour out brandy as like a special occasion after dinner drink um, for holidays and celebrations and things like that. So I love that I'm able to combine these flavors in this particular cocktail. Yeah. And I will just say, you know, as someone who is not as experienced with either brandy or vermouth, you know, this is also a drink I think you can enjoy as someone who's starting out drinking those things. So you can be fancy or you can pick up something local and try it out and just see what you like, see where it takes you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and 
listen, any, like any spirit is like wine and the way we've talked about wine, really finding that particular spirit that speaks to you and to your palate. I mean, you know, in terms of wines, there's a huge variation in terms of what people like and what they don't. And, and the same should be true for spirits. Not all gin is the same. Not all whiskeys are the same. Not all, you know, brandies are the same. Not all tequilas are the same. And so to really get that nuance um, requires that you drink more and you explore. So cheers to that. <laughs> cheers. Should we, uh, should we raise our glass? Let's raise our glass. Oh, I am real proud of this, actually. All right, Anne. So the moment of truth. What do you think? I don't hate it. What? I know. <laughs> what? I... Oh, it's a Christmas miracle. The spirit it's turned me. It's an epiphany. <laughs> um, I know. I know you've been saying you sort of see both of our drinks playing at the same meal. Um, I don't know that I would go that far. I think I see these drinks as like a continuation of the same day. I think as we discussed, my drink would be really great for a brunch, you know, a a brunch pairing. Um, But I see this drink as something that maybe you would enjoy later on in the day as it's getting darker, maybe before or after um, a nice dinner. Yeah, I I actually really agree with that. I think that this is a really great like appetizer course or pre-dinner cocktail that you would serve in the early evening. It definitely has um you know the the your cocktail is it's got a lightness and refreshing a uh, uh, a certain refreshing quality that I think comes with the cinnamon, like just that little like kick to to wake you up and get you excited. Um, I think my cocktail is a bit more like standing by the fire type thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, exactly. There's, there's a, a, a lushness, not a lush, but she could be lushness to this, to my cocktail that I think lends itself well to later in the day. Certainly. I, I agree completely. But like I said, I do think, and it may be the kind of brandy that I got, but I do think that this is this is a cocktail that, even though it's not overly sweet, it is sweet enough for my palate. Um, and the, the alcohol flavors are not overpowering, um, which I think is the combination of, you know, having very wine-based spirits and, um, and that sparkling wine. Yeah, and the nice thing about both of these, which I like, is because... The, you're using your sparkling wine as a topper. You know, you're pouring that in after because you don't want to sh- shake that. Um, you can really level it to your taste. So you could actually batch out the 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 other ingredients, right? Like you could do the apple juice, the sugar, the cinnamon, um, and the gin, for the first one and then for the second one you could do the vermouth the brandy the bitters and have those batched and ready to go and then just sort of shake as people arrive or as you're serving and then top off with um your sparkling wine so even for example like when i do mimosas at 
my home, if I'm hosting a brunch, uh, I never just have them ready to go. I do like a little mimosa bar situation because, you know, people have different levels. So like, for example, Rose, who you all know, my mother, she's like three quarters OJ, a float of champagne. Whereas I'm like, I'd like a mimosa. Please hold the juice. Thank you. So, you know, it's just, it's all about like your preference. Um, and that's what I really like about both of these is you can kind of scale those agents um, to meet your individual needs. So what food would you pair with with this cocktail? What's coming to mind for you? So this cocktail is born straight out of my love of Spain. And I am 100% wanting to pair this with pan con tomate, capelan style, and jamón. That's what I want. Like, that is the appetizer I am living for right now. Interesting. So, I, you know, and I, what I like about that is I want the saltiness of those ingredients with this drink to balance out some of the the residual sweetness because it it is st- like this drink is still very approachable. I mean, I think that it's it. I would actually, if I were going to make this again, and believe me, she will. Uh, I would use a a drier cava. I would not do one that was on, a little bit more on the sweet side. I would use something bone ass dry. I think so we we've talked about this meal recently. There is a favorite vegan restaurant in San Diego called Kindred mm. um that uh, my favorite dish there is um the soul plate and it's basically a vegan cutlet really f- nice mashed potatoes, greens. It's really delicious. And honestly that is there's a heartiness, I feel like, to the flavors in this drink that I want to match with the food that I'm eating. That's so interesting because I'm the my other go to. So, yes, I want the pan con tomate and the jamón, but I always want that just to be fair. I also think that this is a perfect cocktail to just drink by itself. Yeah. Like for a cocktail. Again, standing by the fire. Yeah, like a cocktail hour. There's, I mean, if there's food, there's like, some olives, some like fancy ass almonds with like truffle salt or fucking whatever, like, but not overwhelming. I think that this and, and the ingredients in this drink are kind of, kind of open up your system. I mean, that's why people hot in Spain have vermouth a lot for a happy hour drink is because it's supposed to open up your stomach, right? Get you ready for the evening and the meal ahead and all that good stuff. Um, so I would, you know, I would lightly snack, but I wouldn't have a full blown meal. So we are standing by the fireplace in our chateau. The snow is falling outside. The fire is roaring. Who, who's in the room with us? So I personally think this is kind of a sexy ass cocktail. So I feel like it needs some sexy ass people. And I know we invited Paul Rudd to our brunch, but that's not because he was named like sexiest man alive or whatever. That's because he's like hilarious. The person I want to drink this cocktail with is who I think should have been sexiest man alive. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, Oscar Isaacs. We, I thought we were this close to having the same person. 
Wait, why? I mean, there's someone who you think is hotter than Oscar Isaacs? Okay, let's hear this. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to have Oscar Isaacs on your side of the fireplace. Wow. I will be over here leaning in closely with Javier Bardem. Okay, can we... All right, since this is what we're doing, can we also... We can have a men- menage a quoi. Great. I was going to say, though, can we also invite Antonio Banderas? Because I feel like he should just... Sure. While we're at it, Salma Hayek. Diego Luna. <laughs> just keep throwing him out. <laughs> This is shaping up to be a really great party. And you know what? I have to practice my Spanish. <laughs> and you know what? The next morning, we're going to make them brunch and serve your cocktail. <laughs> Paul, get the fuck out of here. We don't need you anymore. <laughs> no, Paul, we need you at brunch. We do? Why? Is he like bringing something that we need? <laughs> He's going to help make the cocktail. Oh, that's fair. Okay, because we're going to be too busy snuggled with Oscar and Javier. <laughs> Selma. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've got our sexy ass um, posse, what are we? What are we listening to? I'm thinking like Spanish guitar, like classical guitar music. Go for that. I could go for that. The violin's pretty sexy too, though. Just saying. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> Maybe some opera. Some just soft opera wafing in the background. <laughs> but something like again, sort of something passionate in in. Every case, we're sort of describing passion. Flamenco music. (laughs) Yeah. I was once in love. I mean, he had no idea I existed, but I was once in love with a a flamenco, like, what's that? It's a box that they, is it the cajon? I think it's the cajon. Or is it the caja? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he was like, he was gorgeous. And he played at these flamenco shows that um, this conference I would go to always booked and then he disappeared like two years ago and I was like well or three years ago I know I was like where did he go he was beautiful though anyways okay so we've got our food and situation we've got our celebrity gorgeous posse we have our soundtrack um what are we getting who do I want to one of these one of these hot ass bitches is gonna read us aloud. What are they reading? <laughs> I was gonna say, we're definitely having another read aloud. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll just take turns. Now I'm just having a whole Spanish life. Like I'm thinking I know, about like Spanish poetry. Oh, so I so in my Spanish life, do you know what we're reading? Hmm. The Shadow of the Wind. Ooh. Like, I love these types of books when it's chilly out and it's so mysterious and it's so beautifully written and there's so much visceral sensory detail in this book. And if, for our listeners, if you have not read The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Safran or any of his books, like, immediately turn this podcast off, go to your Amazon cart, figure it out. And get on these books because they are just stunning. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I want us to all read aloud to each other. And no one can leave till we're done. <laughs> also, now I'm thinking, like, there should be a movie version of this book with all these people that we're hanging out with, apparently. I feel like we are uh, telling a sexier version of Clue with the scene <laughs> we've set up. I am surprisingly fine with this. I'm here for it. I'm on board. Great. I mean, I feel like once we got to Javier Javier and Oscar, what else is there to say? Just lie the cigarette and be done for the evening. <laughs> Basically. That's what's next for us. 
Well, I- 2022, you're over. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like we've done very well by these cocktails. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed our Dealer's Choice episode or our Spirit of Christmas series, please go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Five stars is preferred. You can also show your support by following us on Instagram at Two Girls and a Grape Pod. If you have suggestions or ideas or you try one of our cocktails and want to tell us about it, you can email us at twogirlsandagrapepod at gmail.com. In theory, we also have a Twitter at twogirlsandagrape. That's the number two. But really, I mean, you're taking your life into your own hands if you go on Twitter. Could be a resolution. I don't know. I feel like this, this could be... <laughs> This could be a goal. This could be a twenty twenty. Going on Twitter is not going to be a New Year's resolution. Wow. It is the opposite. Shut that down real fast. All right. (laughs) Yeah. She she doesn't like Twitter. She doesn't know why she started one. (laughs) All right. And, um, you know, again, follow us on Instagram if you want to know what we're drinking next. And we'll see you here in a couple of weeks. And as always. Salud. Salud.